tonight. In particular, let's journey this evening to a place called the Jordan River. It's a special place, and you have heard about it. In particular, let's go to this place for the purpose of baptism. If we were to do it, as you will see some here having done recently, uh, you, they, would not be the first. In fact, throughout the millennia, for hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of followers of the Lord Jesus Christ have made their way to this particular place, the River Jordan, there to be baptized. And so, as you look, you'll see some familiar faces here, both doing the baptizing and being baptized in the Jordan River. This is not to say that this is the very spot where the Lord himself was baptized. I think that would be stretching it a bit. But we know it was in this body of water. This particular locale is a site specifically set apart for the purpose of believer's baptism. It's called the Yardenet, because that's the Hebrew word for Jordan, Yarden. And it means to descend, because that's what this body of water does. It starts from a high place, the melting snows on Mount Hermon, and it descends downward until it reaches its final destination, which is the Dead Sea. And it, on a meandering course, flows south from Mount Hermon for about 200 miles. If you stretched it out, it would be about 100 miles. But it goes here and there and bends all through the land until it empties out into the Dead Sea. It's quite a significant place, is the Jordan River. It flows through... A, kind of a uh, depression in the Earth's crust called the Great Rift Valley, which goes all the way to Africa. It forms a natural border between Israel and its neighbor, uh, Jordan, the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan. And it was the Jordan River, as you know, which was crossed by the ancient Israelites when they were freed from bondage in Egypt and when they went through their wilderness wanderings, they were encamped on the other side of the Jordan River in what would be present-day Jordan. And they had to make their way across it so as to enter into the land of promise. And we know that they did this somewhere around Jericho because the scriptures make it clear. In fact, they crossed in a most uh, miraculous and surprising manner as recorded for us in Joshua chapter 3. So you see, I'm not making this up. This is what it says. When the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. As soon as the priests who bore the ark put their feet into the water, the water from a few miles away rose up coming to a stop so that the water stood up and ceased to flow. And the people were able to pass over on dry ground. They followed the priests holding the Ark of the Covenant, and they too passed on dry ground across the River Jordan and into the land of promise. 
I believe it. It's in the Bible. God could do it. All he had to do was to suspend one of the natural laws which he himself put into existence. And that's what a miracle is, a suspension of a natural law. And so God miraculously dried up the Jordan River in its flow so that the people of Israel could pass into the promised land and take possession of it. As miraculous and as outstanding as that event is, I find another event which occurred there to be perhaps even more surprising, and it's this one. Almighty God, creator of the universe, he who spoke water, uh, speaking of water, into existence, he who has no beginning nor any End. He who is the ancient of days, he's the almighty God, he is spirit, he transcends all things. This particular God became enfleshed, reducing himself to our image, at least in form. He became a human, enfleshed, and submitted himself in the form of man. By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he submitted himself to the ordinance, to the practice, to the ceremony of ritual immersion, otherwise known as baptism, in this very body of water. I find that to be absolutely overwhelming and outstanding. This, too, is recorded for us, in this case, in the New Covenant or the New Testament in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, and we'll just deal with a few verses there, it says in verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee, that's the northern part of Israel. What was he doing there? He was born in Bethlehem, raised up north in Nazareth of Galilee. And he came from Galilee to the Jordan, to the Jordan River, to John, the text says, to be baptized by him. I hope you're overwhelmed by it, surprised by it. I assure you, John the baptizer was. In fact, he objected at first to the whole procedure. It was so overwhelming to him. His, you see, was a baptism of repentance. And John would say, uh, of what sin uh, Yeshua, Jesus, do you have to repent of? What sin have you committed that you come to partake in the baptism of repentance? It's as if I wonder, I wonder if he could see the innocence on the Lord's face. You know how it is when you're guilty, you, you sort of show it non-verbally. And so here's this lineup of people coming to participate at John's invitation, coming to participate in his baptism of repentance and confession of sin, and you could see it all over them. Guilty is charged. I'm a violator. Each would be willing to admit I'm a violator of the uh, holy commandments of God, but not this Yeshua from Nazareth, not, the, not, not, not this Jesus, the carpenter's son. You, 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 would, you would see every, every manifestation of sinlessness written all over him. And so, so John was, was absolutely perplexed by the Lord's request to be baptized. And so it says in Matthew chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, John would have prevented him, saying... I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, 
Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting. Fitting for what? Let's hold off on it just for a second. And we'll talk in just a few minutes about why the Lord thought it was fitting for he himself to be baptized by John. But for now, I, I, I don't want us to be distracted by fine points and miss the main point. This is the main point. Do you realize that the Son of God is being baptized? Therefore, if you are a follower of the Son of God, I know no better reason for you to be baptized. If you have believed, why have you not then been baptized? Do you want a reason? We could get fancy and theological and complicated, but I think the best reason is your Savior submitted himself to baptism. Why not you? Fifty followed the Lord in obedience to his mandate to be baptized this past Sunday. Would you be thinking about being baptized even as we sit here tonight? We'll give you an opportunity later to indicate your interest in so doing by filling out a card. But I wonder if you would listen to the voice of God now, not mine. He was baptized. How about you? What, what hesitation do you find justifiable when he who existed from before time in the heavenlies came here? <laughs> subjected himself not only to enfleshment and humanity, but even to ritual immersion. How could it be that a follower of his would refuse to be baptized? I don't think I need to know any fancier theology. He was baptized. Why not you, if you haven't been? And so the Lord Jesus was here to be baptized by John, but don't miss things. It wasn't a private experience. It was public. And so the text tells us, I'll show you in a second, that there were many others there at the time to be baptized along with him. And so we see in Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. And so the Lord's baptism was just like everybody else's. Well, with one exception, they came confessing their sins. He came with none to confess. Apart from that rather major difference, <laughs> it was the same form of baptism. He was immersed fully and totally, as was each of them. You know, I used to labor under the misconception that baptism was your idea. Oh, no, it's our thing. <laughs> Feel free to use it. <clears throat> but it's an ancient Jewish custom. So the Lord in the flesh, being Jewish, came to be baptized, thus fulfilling all righteousness. We Jews have baptized for uh, centuries. If an object, which was meant to be put to holy use, fell to the ground, we would baptize it so as to ritually clean it. Gentiles, who for some odd reason want to convert to Judaism, are ritually immersed. We do that down to this very day. The high priest of old was ritually immersed 
before he conducted the Yom Kippur, or Day of Atonement service. Every single Jew in the Lord's Day was immersed before he or she went up to the temple. Every single one. Scribes were immersed every single time before they wrote any one of the names of God. Perhaps you've heard of a community called the Essenes. Uh, they lived in a place called Qumran. Lord willing, we'll go there in one of these upcoming weeks and talk about Qumran. Anyway, the Essenes observed, it was a Jewish group, they observed ritual immersion every single day in order to be sure they were ready for the coming of the Messiah. And so ritual immersion was a very common Jewish practice. In fact, it was so standard, so normal, so common, that in every place in the Holy Land, they were built something called mikvot, which is a plural for mikvah, which is a word meaning gathering, as in a gathering of waters. It was a ritual bath of sufficient capacity to hold a sufficient volume of gathered water that a person of normal size could be fully immersed. So when someone says, you Baptists choose this mode of baptism because you're Baptists, oh no, Baptists have nothing to do with it. You're all rookies at this game. We, we baptized by immersion because that is exactly the way it always was done all through Old Covenant times. There never ever was a form of any other kind of ritual cleansing but by total immersion. So you could do whatever you want to do, just don't blame it on a denomination. Oh no, this goes way, way further back than that. And so there would be a mikvah built in every place. If you go to Israel today, you can see ancient mikvot all over the place. In fact, it was so important that every township have a mikvah, ritual bath, that the rabbis said, if you don't have enough money to build one, it's even acceptable rather than building a synagogue to build a mikvah. That's just how important it is in Jewish thinking and into New Testament thinking, for one who really wants to obey God, to be ritually immersed, to be baptized. And so, in keeping with Jewish tradition, uh, the Lord Yeshua himself, as I say, Jewish in the flesh, was baptized. But why was he who had no sin? Why specifically was he baptized? Could I offer three reasons? Matthew chapter 3, verse 15 said, For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. The Lord was baptized as an act of obedience. Simple as that. He fulfilled the totality of the law. He was baptized first as an act of obedience because he was committed to the doing of God's will. Second, he was baptized because it was an act of identification. Who did he identify with? <laughs> Every other person being baptized, that's who. He identified himself with a community of those who were seeking to do that which was pleasing to God. 
who were publicly identifying with Almighty God. So his baptism was an act of obedience and it was an act of identification. Aren't you overwhelmed by the fact that the sinless Savior is willing to be identified with those who have plenty of sin to repent of? Namely, you and me. This is a great God. He's, a, he's, he's one of a kind, you know. He's not like any pretender to the throne. So he was baptized first as an act of obedience, second as an act of identification, and thirdly, as an act of dedication. In being, the baptized, in being baptized, the Lord committed himself to God's mission for his life. You see, because immediately following his public baptism... At the end of the 30 so-called silent years in his human life ended. And now the Lord publicly started his redemptive ministry. He foreshadowed it in his baptism. He gave us a symbolic glimpse of his ultimate redemptive work in being baptized. He pictured and portrayed for us what would come to be his own death, burial, and resurrection as these men of praise so wonderfully sang for us tonight. And so this began his public ministry. These are the three reasons, I think, why he was baptized. Act of obedience, act of identification, act of dedication. And so the Lord Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. But wait, why? Why not in a ritual bath? Why not in the mikvah I was talking to you about? I'll tell you why I think he was not baptized in a mikvah, but rather in the River Jordan. We have something called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah is a commentary on the written word of God. The rabbis did it. The rabbis took the Old Testament, that's what they considered to be their part of the Bible, and they wrote a commentary on it. Some of it is horrible, and other parts are acceptable. Anyway, in the Mishnah, which is, an, is a commentary, uh, as I say, on the written word of God, the rabbis tell us that the most lofty and esteemed place in which to be immersed is a flowing river. That's contained in the ancient Mishnah. Rabbi Jesus knew the Mishnah and everything else inside and out. I think... Knowing what he knew about what was contained in the Mishnah, he was baptized in the Jordan River, thus fulfilling all righteousness. Every possible standard of righteousness, even that advanced by the rabbis, was perfectly fulfilled by the only perfect rabbi, Rabbi Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. And so that's why I think... He subjected himself to baptism in the River Jordan rather than in a mikvah. And the water in the river in which one was baptized was referred to by the rabbis in Jesus' day as living water. Living water. And it illustrated the carrying away of one's sins. Do you remember the time when this Jesus met up with a Samaritan woman at a well. It's recorded for us in John chapter 4, and an interesting conversation ensued. He said to her, if you knew the gift of God, 
Do you know the gift of God? Gift is something you don't deserve. You just receive. The gift is something you don't earn or merit. You receive it or you refuse it. God is a giver. Do you know what the gift of God is? She didn't. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you, here's the phrase, living water. The living water being a Hebraic notion of the carrying away of sin. He said, we can satisfy our physical thirst at this well. But if you knew of the gift of God, and if you knew of my capacity to give it to you, you would ask me for it. And I would give you the kind of gift that would well up in you so that it would be living water carrying away your sin on into eternity so that you can enter in there and forever reside in the presence of a holy God untainted by sin. That's why the Lord Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. What's the life lesson then to be gleaned from our journey to the River Jordan? It's simple. Believe and be baptized. Notice the order. (laughs) If you reverse it, it's a mutation of truth. Believe. In the willingness of the giver of the gift of eternal life to give it. And the gift is, I will cast all your sins behind my back. I have fulfilled all righteousness by suffering and dying already on your behalf on a cross. I have satisfied the righteous requirements of the law for unrighteous you. The gift is a pardon. The gift is a pronouncement upon you just as if you had not sinned. The gift is adoption into his family so that you take on the identity no longer of an adversary but of a son and a daughter. Believe, the Jordan River tells me, and then be baptized. To believe is intensely personal, private. In fact, it cannot be done by a group for you. It has to be done by you for yourself. You have to say, come into my life, Lord Jesus. I accept this inexpressible gift of forgiveness. I want to make my life your home. Take up your abode in my life. Thank you for forgiving me, a sinner. And now grant me eternal life. That's to believe. That's private. That's personal. Nobody sees it except Almighty God who would be so pleased if maybe some would be pleased to do that tonight. But then the second step is a public one. The first is private, to believe, but the second is public. And I just really wonder why one would resist the public declaration 
of having privately accepted the gift of salvation. I have to wonder whether one really has accepted the Lord's gift of salvation if one refuses to go public. I have to wonder. I'm nobody's judge. I just wonder what he is ashamed of. There he was publicly identifying with a bunch of sinful people who had to repent of sin. He didn't feel like he'd be defiled by them or get cooties. He was willing to identify with them. How much more should we be willing to go public through baptism and be willing to identify with him? So I want to ask you if some would be willing maybe to make an application uh, of this life lesson to yourself. Believe and be baptized. And so... If you would like to say, for the first time, Lord Jesus, I don't know why I've put it off as long as I have. Come into my life. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I accept your sacrifices having been offered in my place for my sin. Thank you for forgiving me and now make me new from the inside out. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. If that's your decision tonight and it's made privately right where you are by simply casting your thoughts upward to God, then would you please let us know by extending your hand to the seat back in front of you. You'll find a card. We call it a communication card. And on it, you can legibly indicate who you are and what you've done. Would you give us the privilege of following up on your decision, helping you along the way? Maybe you have done that already. You've believed but not been baptized. Maybe you want to indicate in similar fashion on that card, your decision is to be baptized. Would you indicate that? I want to follow the Lord in baptism. I want this to be an act of obedience and identification with the community of the beloved, and I want this to be an act of dedication as well, and I've put it off, and I have, maybe I have some questions and some concerns. Can someone call me and talk to me about this intensely important matter? Whenever I think of the River Jordan, I think about believing and being baptized, and I wish you would as well. In fact, I want to pray that you would. Lord Jesus, We're clumsy about things, but you're not. And in the power of your gracious spirit, would you wonderfully impress yourself upon the hearts and minds and wills of some here tonight who must believe in the need for a Savior and that you are he and who are willing to take you as their personal Savior. Then would you impress on those and others the need. We don't have to understand all things. You set the pace, the need to be baptized just as you were baptized. One, deeply personal, private. The second, blatantly public, an indication of public identification. Father, this has to be done in the power of your Holy Spirit, and that's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.